What's happening? What up, man? Not a whole bunch. Uh, just tired. God damn, I'm tired. I uh, well, yeah. I mean, because you're working weird ass <laughs> hours again. <laughs> Get Jesus Christ! I'm too over this shit. I'm not at my tired point yet. Uh, but we're just not at that point in the season where I'm just like. Ugh. Well, at least the season's going well. You can't complain about that. No, 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 not at all. Absolutely um, not. Are you going to be doing hoops at all? No, no. I mean, no one said anything to me about it. I don't think I am. Um, you know, I, I don't know what they got going on over there. It, it I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I'm just not part of that. Um, part of that crew, you know. Yeah, I, 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 that broadcast is it. It's not run by the Warriors, right? Mm. No, no, no. Well, I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't. You mean like the pre and the post game? Yeah. Cause you know, sometimes they'll have the, the team will actually have their own like uh, broadcast arm and they'll do their own shit. No, no. I mean, it's, it's all, you know, the, the play by play people are always employed by the, the team. Yep. The play by play in the color. And then, you know, I, I know for the Giants, obviously, for the Niners, obviously, and I assume it's the exact same for the Warriors, is that that's all NBC okay. Bay Area does that. So, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think, you know, they got their crew. Um, it's set, um, you know, and and it's, yeah, I, I just, I don't, I just don't think there's any room or need for me. You know, so okay. I don't know. I, you know, I, yeah, I would do it, but I yeah. would rather I would rather do that than baseball. But like I said, I don't. I just don't think, um, you know, there's any opportunity there, which doesn't really bother me. So. Sure. Speaking of, speaking of baseball, how you, are you watching the playoffs at all? Oh yeah, absolutely. Shit yeah. I, yeah. I'm, uh, I I've been very. This has been an entertaining uh, playoffs. You know, Only because it's, of its unpredictability. It's interesting you say that because people have said the unpredictability of it or the the fact that uh, the Dodgers got knocked out, Atlanta got knocked out, um, the Orioles got knocked out, and those yeah. are all three teams that won their division and got the first round by. Yeah. They didn't have to play yeah. the wild card. Yeah. <clears throat> because of that unpredictability mm-hmm. um, and because those those big teams with, you know, 100-plus win seasons got knocked out. People are saying it's not a very good postseason. Me, personally, I don't give a fuck one way or another. My team is still in it, so... <laughs> people can people can like this postseason or not. I don't care. Um, what, I, what I do like, though, and this hasn't been talked about, and it's a good thing, notice no one has said not one word about the pitch clock. Not one word. But you didn't expect people to, did you? I did. I expected some people, and and actually, John Smoltz did last night on the uh, on the on the Astros Rangers game, mm. game three. Hi, everybody! It's Quality Hang. We just get right into it. <laughs> Bob Brooks, Marcus, Marcus Osborne, get on in. The water's warm. Um, yes. We are recording this on Thursday morning, October 19, twenty twenty three. John Smoltz in uh, game three of the. Rangers Astros ALCS broadcast he mentioned and he doesn't like the pitch clock because he's really? an old school guy yeah he said that um um he you know he he doesn't like it he doesn't get it but he understands 
I'm paraphrasing that quote, but he kept saying it. He never explained why he did yeah. it. But again, he's an old school baseball guy. But the point is, is that there were some people who were okay with the pitch in the regular season and didn't want it in the postseason because they liked the buildup. They liked the drama. They call Hell. it buildup and drama. I call it a bunch of fucking standing around and doing nothing. Um, I've only seen one pitch clock violation, and that happened in the Rangers-Astros game, game three last night. Um, but again, as far as people talking about how the pitch clock is ruining baseball and it's and it's taking away the drama and the buildup, no Not one's mentioned that. That hasn't happened, and it's been great to watch postseason games that just keep going, they just keep flowing, they just keep happening, and you keep getting action. And the pitch clock, I'm telling you, has been the absolute best thing for Major League Baseball since Jackie Robinson showed up. And I am not being <laughs> hyperbolic by, about that by any stretch of the imagination. It's not better than steroids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's less dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say steroids is number three. So, so integration, <laughs> the pitch clock, uh, steroids, and players no longer wearing wool uniforms. All right. <laughs> I, you know, I gotta agree with you, dude. Uh, it's funny that people would bitch about the pitch clock because every time. What do they say? They, they're complaining about it, the anticipation, the buildup. Every time a clock has been added to a major sport, that sport improves. The anticipation proves. The drama improves. Look what a 24-second clock has done for the NBA. Of course. <clears throat> the, look even, look, even, look even, what the even, shot clock did for college basketball. Yeah. You, you didn't have a shot clock before 1983, I believe. <laughs> I believe the first season was 83. And you would have got – Dean Smith, former yep. North Carolina coach, they call it the four corners offense, where they would yep. just basically pass the ball around the four dudes and bleed the clock out if yeah. the, the, the time and the score dictated it. You bring in the shot clock, which I believe it was 35 seconds uh, when yep. it first came around in college basketball in 1983. Yep. Yep. It made the sport significantly better. Yes. Like the, the clocks don't, clocks make the, dra- it makes the drama so much better. Yeah. Oh no! You got to get rid of this, or you got to take a shot. You got to make a play. You got to do something. You got to people. You know, baseball because it's baseball. People romanticize aspects of it that really mm-hmm. shouldn't be romanticized. They romanticize, yeah. and this is another thing that's going to make baseball significantly better. And I can't wait when you get a strike zone that has uh, that that has automation as a part of it to call balls and strikes people romanticize pitch framing and you know yeah. when we have a computerized strike zone it's going to take away pitch framing like yeah so, okay it, it's so a what? skill it's a skill that 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 catchers developed over the course of 150 years to fool umpires that yeah. aren't doing their job correctly yeah I, and so while it's a great skill i'm not romantic for it because it doesn't it it's 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 something they did in reaction to the human error of the umpires. You have the ability and the technology to get rid of the human error on the most basic and the most important part of the baseball game, whether a ball, a pitch is a ball or a strike. 
Get yep. rid of that shit and let's make it fair and even and let's get the focus back on the players and their ability to do what is a very difficult thing, which is to throw a baseball by somebody with a bat in their hand and that person with the bat in their hand to try and hit a baseball thrown by someone who has zero intention of letting you hit that baseball to allow a third party to come in as an umpire and goes, well, is he going to call this a strike? By definition of the rule book, or does he have his own strike zone? That's the stupidest shit I've ever heard. Yeah, it's really dumb. And and, and the really fact dumb. the fact that that's romanticized by people outside of baseball, and especially people who play the fucking game or have played yeah. the game, blows my mind. And they love this whole idea of 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 you know it's the playoffs, or you know the pitcher has control and he can speed the game up or slow the game down. The problem has become, and this started happening in the 90s where guys were realizing because they're because they're not going to uh, enforce getting into the box and just getting the game going, the umpires, that they could take all the fucking time they wanted. The players yep. realized that they could do basically anything they wanted to do and it slowed the game down to a crawl. You had, yep. you had regular season baseball games and playoff baseball games as Four recently – but no, but I'm saying as recently as the late 80s, early 90s, yeah. these playoff baseball games would be two hours and 35 minutes, two hours mm -hmm. and 55 minutes maximum mm -hmm. for a nine-inning yep. game. It got to, in the early 2000s and beyond, Major League pace, Baseball playoff games were creeping close to four hours long, yep. and that was yep. the norm. Now, nah, man, yep. that was awful. Pitch clock yep. forever. Because TV is unforgiving when it comes to time. Thank you. You you can waste a day at uh, the 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 baseball field and watching a game in a stadium because that's what that in room experience is about. But nobody wants to turn on the TV and just watch cats standing around all day. Adjusting you know why their golf batting gloves all goddamn day. Yeah, golf works on TV because you're not following one golfer around all day long. You're following a bunch of dudes. Do you know how boring it would be to just watch one fucking golfer all day <laughs> long? Just mostly walking. It's a fact. The U.S. Open, the golf tournament, not the tennis <laughs> tournament. The U.S. Open, when it was tied after four days, after four rounds, if there was a tie between two players, they wouldn't have a playoff that day. <laughs> They would have yeah. the next day on a Monday an 18-hole right. playoff. That's right. That sounds like a good idea until yeah. you actually have to watch <laughs> two golfers on television play yep. 18 holes of golf. Yep. It is the worst fucking thing of yeah. all time. Yeah. And I forget not a good advertisement for the sport. Not at all. And I forget when the USGA dumped it. It wasn't that long ago. I want to say it was about 10, maybe 15 years ago at the most. And Tiger Woods might have been one of the part of the last 18-hole next day U.S. Open playoff. And if I remember correctly, even no one wants to watch Tiger Woods just walk around yeah. and play golf for 18 no. holes basically by himself. And we're talking no. about the greatest fucking golfer of all time, not named Jack Nicholas. <laughs> it's so true. Like, of course, you're going to this is one of the things that not just baseball, but all the major sports fall in love with this nostalgic bullshit that in hindsight, if you really look at these things, it's dumb. 
when I hear people talking about, well, you know, LeBron James couldn't have survived in the rough and tumble 90s and early 2000s basketball. Get the – this dude is – 6'8", 290 pounds. Mm-hmm. These little dudes have been bouncing off that motherfucker. This little shit like that. Yeah. Constantly being brought up by these old heads. Well, you, you know, speaking of being nostalgic for the wrong things. Um, oh, here it is. Uh, the last U.S. Open playoff uh, was at Torrey Pines. Tiger Woods beat uh, Rocco Mediate. Yeah. I um, remember that one. Uh, in 19 holes for his 14th major. Jesus Christ. So not only did they play an 18-hole playoff, and they tied after 18 and had to go another hole and make it 19. Uh, ay, ay, ay. So anyway, so that that was back in 2018, February 2018. So uh, like I said, it wasn't that long ago. Um, but speaking of people being nostalgic for the wrong things, um, people are now nostalgic for basketball in – the the late 90s and 2000s specifically and people you would have nba finals scores okay nba finals right these are the two best teams on the planet and they would regularly be yep 82 78 86 82 ugly i i remember uh, some uh spurs and new jersey nets Finals games that were like 77 72. Yep. It was yep. college awful. scores and college scores. it was just, it was, it was awful. And now, yeah. because, and I get it, it's a, it's an overreaction to an NBA today where you can't touch a guy. Uh, defense is, is, is being phased out. Um, you, you, you can't be the physical nature of basketball has been completely removed. And me personally, it doesn't bother me. I think it's a much better game. I think it's a much more free flowing game and that does favor the offense, but I'd rather see guys shoot and use their athleticism to score than use their athleticism to just beat dudes to a pulp who are trying to, to score the basketball. So I understand that there, for some people, it's a natural overreaction to today's basketball. But, hey, man, miss me with that bullshit of 90s basketball and early 2000s oh basketball was better because it wasn't. The statistics prove it. And if you look at it now compared to the basketball we have right now, the eye test proves it as well. Well, and I actually – I'm actually one of the people who believes – like, whenever somebody says to me it was just better defense, like, no. No. That wasn't, that's, that's not defense. It's not at all. That hacking, hacking somebody—that's called a foul. That's not defense. We would just, we would just give LeBron a, an elbow to the face. Oh, that's great defense, yeah. you fucking idiot. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, the elimination of nothing but ISO defense has made basketball so much yeah. better. Yeah, you actually have to be—you actually have to come up with a strategy now to play hoop. Against different forms of defense, against diff- against multitude of defenses, so I actually think it might be a little bit harder to play defense in that sense because you have to have a team that's smart and a team that's skilled because you got so many different defenses you might have to prepare for. Yeah, it's not just well we're just gonna give the ball to Jordan and put him over there in the, on the corner and let him go to work. Like right. no, them days are over. You think you don't think that a Kyrie Irving or a Kevin Durant or a LeBron James or a Steph Curry could thrive in an ISO defense, who's guarding those dudes one-on-one? Not too many. Nah, get out of here. Get out of here. All this bullshit nostalgia for old stuff. It's just, 
I may, and listen, I am guilty of some of that stuff myself, particularly when it comes to music. I'm <laughs> guilty of it, but I also recognize that shit changes and sometimes for the better. Period. Yep. yep. Gotta let go of the uh, past, baby. Let it go. I, I found myself this is how I know things are changing. I found myself glued to the WNBA finals last night. <laughs> glued. You weren't the only one. Riveted. Almonds and I swear I was acting like this was. I mean, it, it is a it is a finals, but this is the first time. Last year I started to feel it some. This year I was like all in, and watching that game last night was awesome. Awesome. I'll tell you what. These women are. I, and I've always been a supporter of the WNBA just because I like to see this type of. I like everybody get their opportunity, and you know I like to see these great college players get their chance to take it to a next level other than the Olympics where you don't make any money. Uh, but these women, the talent in the WNBA is downright scary. Down, like those original teams, they had a couple of players, but these women are so goddamn skilled, man. Dog. It's insane. Let me, let me pay these ladies in the WNBA and these ladies in – college basketball let me pay them the highest compliment okay mm, mm. these ladies out here hooping son they balling all right big, 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 big. hey if Woo. you a hooper you a hooper and it yep. doesn't matter if you double x chromosome or if you xy chromosome <laughs> if you balling cats up Ooh, then wait. you a hooper these ladies all right, and I'm not from city to tell you I'm a WNBA fan or I, I watch women's college basketball on the regular because I don't, but I do mm -hmm. pay attention to what's going on. And yes, let sir. Me tell you something. These ladies out here is hooping. Right? Yes, <laughs> Angel, Angel Reese at LSU, go Tigers is hooping. Old girl at Iowa, what's her name? Kate, Caitlin Clark. Oh yeah, my God! Hooping. What's 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 your girl name? But with the aces, Brianna Stewart. Oh yeah. I, I, I watched Kelsey. I watched Kelsey Plum the other night. I'm like, oh my God! <laughs> hey, hey, what's what's the old girl? Uh, uh, Asia Wilson. Is she with the aces? Ooh. I, I might have got it wrong. Brianna Ooh. Stewart might be with the Liberty. Asia Wilson with the aces. Either way, yeah. Asia. Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Stewie's, Stewie's with the Liberty. Asia's with the aces. Hooping. Good God! These ladies out there. Is giving men and women buckets. Yeah, the business, <laughs> the business. This, this, this I, ain't just layup lines, all right? No, nah, man. This ain't a cute story. These ladies out here is giving folk that work, and I applaud the shit out of them. Hell yeah! Like everything that's coming, that's going in that league's way, they have earned every single yes, sir. minute of yes, it. Yes, sir. Because wa watching this this series. Um, the the it's it's so high level. It is so high level. Uh, watching the the footwork, yeah. the shooting, yeah. the some of these some of these dives. Yeah. Like, whoa, where did that come from? Yeah, man. Oh, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. They hooping. It's it's Ooh, it's not please. it's not some watered down version or or just mm -mm. some some like there, there's athleticism there. Yeah, that is equal to their male counterpoints. They ain't yeah. they ain't dunking on the regular. That's that's not that's 
that's not who they are. That's not what their game is about. But in terms of, and I'm glad you brought up footwork because that is always important in any sport, especially Mm -hmm. basketball. But as far as footwork, as far as skill, okay, whether whether it's 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 offensive skill or defensive skill, shooting skill, these ladies have that, and and Mm -hmm. they mad competitive, mad competitive. You put oh all God. of that together, they play team offense, they play team defense, they do the things you need to do on a basketball court when you don't have the athleticism that that you know the 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 men have. You have yep. to maybe compensate is the right word, isn't the right word, but you have to compensate for the lack of athleticism, so to speak, by doing all the other important shit well. And these ladies do that, and like I said. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I'm checking out all the women's basketball. But I peep in and see every once in a while, and what I see is real good shit. Yeah, I. I uh, they have to be applauded. I, I don't know. You assume that this is the type of thing that happens over time when more people get involved, mm-hmm. more, more. The training is better. P- people just get good. Yeah, they just get really good, and the athleticism improves. And it's even with the men's game, the athleticism yes. and the skill level now is far superior to what it was even 20 years ago. Yeah. People are working on their games constantly. And I'm watching this lady, um, this young lady who was 17, 6, 7 uh, yesterday online. I'm like, oh my God, 17? She was dunking, dunking. She was dunking, dunking. <laughs> What you said? She wasn't just touching the rim. She was yakking yeah. on fools. Dunking, dunking. She was shacking them. I'm like, what? Uh, and and she was just doing her individual work. I'm like, oh my god, this 17. She's gonna destroy people in the next five years. So the the WNBA has their own version of Victor Wimbanyama coming down the pipe, huh? That, that's what it is. Man. <laughs> that's what it is. But that you, is what it is. but you know though, but that that illustrates. Uh, a very important point and why women's basketball is at the spot where it is right now. And I dare say it's a very good spot and why it is trending upward in a, in a very positive direction is that young girls have been exposed to basketball, have seen other women play basketball, have seen it play professionally at a high level in the United States of America. And, and I think that there is a trickle down effect and they are getting, the, the exposure, getting the opportunity, and getting the right coaching. Yes. Uh, you know, this, 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 and this is a great thing. The United States of America is a very fertile ground for women's basketball. And, Absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I think, you know, with this, all of this country's problems, we should be proud that even though it took a, a, a government uh, edict, if you will, for it to happen, this is the effect of Title IX. You know, and this yeah. is the effect of making sure that women have the same athletic opportunities as men. And yes. we should be proud and we should be happy that when it comes to a sport where in, in basketball, where we have dominated globally for years, yes, um, you know, from the men's standpoint, we now have our, our, our women coming up and they are on the cusp of, of being just as unstoppable at basketball as the men have proven to be over uh, over so many years. Yeah, and you know, one of the other things, and I don't, this, this is not me assigning 
the success of WNBA to men, but it's really helpful that so many men with daughters have encouraged their daughters athletic dreams Mm -hmm. as opposed to say, you know what? That's man stuff. Go and, you know, play Barbie or whatever the hell they ask women Mm -hmm. to do these days. I don't know, but that's a big deal. And so many of these NBA players are super supportive of the WNBA. Yeah. Literally super supportive. Well, but Hooper, Hoopers no Hoopers. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. That, yes, that's, sir. That's all it boils down to. It's If you yes, can sir. hoop, it, you, <laughs> you literally don't see gender. I know I'm using yes. the word literally incorrectly, but, <laughs> but, but, but I mean it, man. Hoopers yeah. no Hoopers. And high-level Hoopers in the NBA see these ladies – in the WNBA, and they don't think about the fact that they are mm-hmm. ladies. They look at them and go, "That is a hoop," and because because they know yep. what it takes to get to that level, they know the dedication it takes to become a very good professional basketball player. They know the sacrifice that it mm-hmm. takes. They know the training that you need. They know the coaching that you need. And when you get all of that and all other things that I haven't mentioned or thought of, when you get all of that and you are able to display those talents in front of everybody on the highest level, that being the NBA or the WNBA, mm-hmm. you just see a fellow hooper. So I, I that's do. that's a very good point you bring up about the the male, uh, you know, their male NBA counterparts really getting behind the WNBA because hey man, those 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 my peoples right there. Yes. She just happens yes. to be a woman. Yes, and I hope that they get all the the perks that the men get at well, some point. That's still... that's a that's a that's a fight. <laughs> that's a that's oh, it's going to be a story fight. for a different time. The WNBA players are woefully underpaid. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of them still fly commercial, uh, which they so should. They should be able to travel. Uh, so they should be able to travel privately, uh, charter <laughs> airplanes, just like all of their WNBA counter, uh, their NBA counterparts do. Um, that's the next fight. I don't know how long that's going to take. I hope the men get behind uh, the WNBA's fight for I'm better sure pay and and better travel accommodations. Um, but yeah, they, they, they are woefully underpaid for sure. And they will have a real case because I have not seen the numbers ratings for last night's game, uh, game last night, but I know last year was close to an all time high. I know that there's high level interest in the WNBA and it grows every single year. So when this collective bargaining uh, co- uh, contract is up, whenever it is, they're going to ask for a few things and that the, the bare minimum is, uh, charter travel, like that's the bare, bare minimum. Bare minimum. I, the the uh, I wasn't watching the game last night because the the Astros Rangers game was on, was on the same at time. the same time. Uh, <laughs> but I was kind of following along what was happening in that decisive mm-hmm. WNBA Finals game on Twitter, and it was it was trending heavy. You know, people were talking about it. So when you combine. Um, traditional television ratings and streaming numbers with how many social media impressions and all this stuff you're getting. The WNBA is flying high, man, and good for them. Dude, I tell you, one of the things that really made me laugh and made me mad at the same time, watching goofy-ass Mark Davis out there at the championship podium with his goddamn white suit and his fire-tuck hairdo out there acting like he I'm like wow dude you've got two WNBA titles and you're not sniffing a Super Bowl title let, 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 allow me to provide some context for uh, 
quality hang listeners. Uh, Marcus Osborne uh, from Oakland, California, yeah, is uh, is a is a. I don't know if I should call you a lapsed Raiders fan. Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> okay, he, he is he is a lapsed Raiders fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you could say he's an angry Raiders fan because, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> well, if you're a Raider fan, naturally you're angry because they haven't been good since what? Uh, Twenty years, dude. Twenty since years. George W. Bush was president the first time. <laughs> so anyway, please continue about Mark Davis, owner of the now Las Vegas Raiders, formerly. The Oakland Raiders, Oof. where Marcus Osborne is from. Oh, yeah. Watching that, <laughs> watch, watching that bum up there acting like he had something. You know how some of his owners are acting like you made this happen. You didn't. And seeing him put his fists up in the air and taking the trophy and talking shit about getting another one. Get out of here. Get out of here. I would have rather seen Tom Brady out there taking that trophy. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the worst tradition is in American sports is after a championship. Hot take time. When the owner mm-hmm. is given the trophy first and is the first person to speak. I I, I think that is something that we should do away with. Now, it's never going to happen because the owners are not going to play the back because, well, they're all egomaniacs. Mm. And the networks are not going to push for that because, well, the networks don't want to make the owners mad because, well, that's where, (laughs) you know, that's where the programming comes from. You You don't want to mess up the cash cow. I wish that we would do it like they do uh, European soccer. And I, I think they do this in other countries, but I know they do this in European soccer. When a, when a European soccer team wins a trophy of significance, Gives like a, a domestic league title or yeah. uh, a Champions League or what have you, yeah, the first person to touch that trophy and lift it above their heads in a, in a sign of we did it, yeah, is the captain of the team. I like that. That's not bad. Not not the owner of the team, whoever that may be. Not the coach of the team. The captain, the player, the captain of the team is the first person to touch that trophy. You don't see an owner until every other player and (laughs) then the coaches have touched that trophy and lifted it above their heads. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, that's not a bad idea at all. I think I, hockey, I, hockey, I think, does it as well. But the problem becomes, and this is the other, they do this in the NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball. The commissioner speaks first. Then he gives the trophy to the owner, and the owner speaks. Yeah. In hockey, the owner doesn't get it. The captain of the team gets the Stanley Cup, and he lifts it over his head. But you still have the commissioner giving the tro- speaking first then giving the trophy away the yeah. commissioners and the owners should not be the first person or first people to speak and touch the trophy that should be the players first and foremost every single time i had no problem with that that actually works completely well for me because then after the players speak i can turn the shit off right exactly <laughs> hey limit listen and and again, owners because they're egomaniacs and and their money allows them to be ego egomaniacs. Um, 
they they <laughs> that's their time to shine. When really, in reality, owners should write the checks, hire the right people, and then get the fuck out of the way. If only Nobody they all see knew you. how to do that. If only they all knew how to do that. Yeah. Why that they know well, how to do it, they just don't want to do it. Well, this is why the this is why the Dallas Cowboys are the Dallas Cowboys. Yep. He doesn't know how to do that. Yep. This is what this is what happened to the Raiders. Al didn't know how to do that. And yep. he the game had passed him by. And the owners that we have had this conversation before. It, the, the most underrated aspect to winning in a professional on a professional level is your ownership. You the, most people don't even think about it. Oh, just get a great coach or just get a great quarterback or get a great small forward or whatever. But no. Nope. Get great owners first. You see what happened with uh with uh Kim Ng from the Marlins? Oh yeah. The, uh, that is some bullshit. Manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. is some bullshit. This is why the Marlins will be where they are forever. They always end up having a bunch of talent. And that talent, like the A's, goes somewhere else. But at least they actually get in there. Kim Ng had done an amazing job with the squad. You're going to tell me now you need to hire somebody above her? Yeah. What kind of misogynistic bullshit is this? I don't blame her. They talking about it was a mutual thing. Nah, she's like, fuck y'all. <laughs> That's exactly that ain't what no it mutual was. Thing. She said, fuck y'all, I'm out of here. <laughs> Try to do this bitch again without me. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that 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 stunk to high heaven. But then it's the Marlins, and you go, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, you, you you use her talents to make the playoffs for the first time in what seems like a decade. Yeah. Um, and you know, then in essence, fire her because that. Listen, they 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 knew full well when they say we're going to get a baseball operations man to yeah. come in here to be your boss. They yeah. knew what they were doing. They were trying to push her out. Yeah. And now that the Marlins have gotten some sort of respectability, they could go back to stinking out loud again. That's, that's exactly what's going to happen. That's all part of the plan. So, you know, hey, really, I, really for Kim Ng, uh, the, uh, baseball's first female uh, uh, team executive, first general manager, this works out in her favor. Get sure. the fuck away from sure. the Miami Marlins. Yes, sir. And let's be honest. They ain't want to win. This is an accident. They are pissed. That's why they brought in some bum to replace her. Like, we didn't want this. What you doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> when we win, it's going to cost us more money because people yeah. are going to expect us to maintain yeah. this, this winning lifestyle and improve yeah. on it. What hey, are people. you doing, lady? We're going to fix this. We're going to hire a man. Uh, <laughs> We're going to hire a man to run this damn thing into the ground. <laughs> this this right here is why you shouldn't hire a woman for a man's job. Especially if this job requires you to run a fucking baseball team smack dab into the ground. God damn it, women. You just can't get them to do a job right. Especially when it's an awful job to do. <laughs> God damn it. It's amazing how... Some of these losing teams, you know why these teams are perpetual losers. Of course. It's, it's purposeful. Yeah. Absolutely. Can we talk about uh, the NFL? There's Please. a bunch of stories here. Um, first of all, Brock Purdy and the 49ers lost their first game. Yes, they did. Um, is anybody... So did the Eagles, by the way. And so Eagles lost, Eagles there are lost their... no undefeated teams in the NFL right now. And I think people saw the Eagles at some point 
losing a game fairly soon because they haven't been as dominant, even though they're destroying quarterbacks. But not to the but, Jets. Come on now. Well, I mean, no. no nobody, saw them, nobody saw them lose to the Jets. That's not what I'm saying at all. Okay. I'm just saying when you look at the two teams, the Niners and the Eagles, I think most folks would agree that the 49ers could have gone a long time without losing a game based on what we had seen prior to that game. Whereas the Eagles looked a little bit shaky. All their games seemed to be a little bit closer, a little bit more. And the 49ers were scoring 30 points a game on people. and It hadn't even really been close okay. by, the, by the end of the game. If you just looked at it on the surface. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you were... With other teams around the league, you go, okay, there, there, there could be some problems with the Niners. I think the Niners have benefited from playing some really shitty teams. I think that they've benefited from having some really great skill players. And it was interesting to see. How the fuck you lose to Cleveland? Well, I'll tell you exactly how you lose to Cleveland. Um, <clears throat> first off, Cleveland's defense. I, I, I was they monsters. Very- I, yes, I was under the very mistaken impression that Cleveland's defensive numbers had to do with the fact that they played Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Baltimore, and I don't have my I do have my notes here. Um, they they I was under the impression that they hadn't played anybody, and that I I based my even though statistically Cleveland had only been giving up 15 points a game, yeah. had only been allowing teams to run for 72 yards a game. They had not Cleveland. Up until they had not allowed a, a running back to rush for a touchdown in yeah. four games, and they didn't do it in the Niners game either. Yeah. Or JP J, uh, Mason did run for a touchdown, but that was the first touchdown they allowed yeah. a running back to score in four games. Um, they were holding teams under to what 160 something passing yards. Ooh, I was great. under the impression, mistakenly, that those numbers that Cleveland's defense had put up was based on the fact that they had only played, as I mentioned. Pittsburgh, uh, Baltimore, Cincinnati, and one other team that I can't find here in my notes. Um, I was dead wrong in public about that because what they did with their defensive front in particular with Miles Garrett and and a couple of defensive tackles whose names escaped me, they just beat up the interior of the Niners' offensive line. It really, from from Trent Williams, who got hurt, all the way to the other tackle and the guys in between the Niners offensive line had its worst day of the entire season. Mm -hmm. And they had their worst day of the entire season because Cleveland's defensive line made them have their worst game of the entire season. So you combine that with losing Debo Samuel early, Mm -hmm. losing Christian McCaffrey eventually, and the pressure that Brock Purdy was getting in his face from the beginning. That that it and even when he wasn't getting pressure, he was still thinking about that pressure and feeling pressure. He that that's the most pressure he's felt from a defense since yeah. he started playing quarterback for the Niners. Yeah, and it caused him to be off with the pass when he was feeling pressure, when there was pressure, actual legit pressure, and when he thought he was feeling pressure. Yeah, they got beat at the line of scrimmage, and on yeah. the other side, the Niners allowed without Nick Chubb, they allowed Cleveland to rush for 160 yards Amazing. on 30, 31 carries. The Niners got beat at the line of scrimmage. And when yeah. you get beat at the line of scrimmage, it affects you at the skill position. And, and when you lose, when you, right, right. When you lose your skill position players and you're getting beat at the line of scrimmage and you have a team that has a defense that is without a doubt, 
one of the top three defenses in the league. Uh, Cleveland's, along with the Niners, along with Philly, along with Dallas, even though I don't like to say it. Um, <laughs> that's how you and, – and, and you miss a field goal from a rookie kicker. That's how you go to Cleveland and lose your first game of the year. Yeah, dude, these uh, these cats over in Cleveland have something going there, and I think that the quarterback it's still it's still the Browns though. Let's no, let's, well, let's it, be it easy is, on they that, got something cooking. It's that, still the fucking Browns. I never believe in the Browns ever, but I'm telling you this this team if they had any modicum of quarterback play, <laughs> they would be doing some damage to people because it's it's looking scary to go up, up in there. Yeah, I mean, they, Cleveland definitely has the 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 mantle of if you don't come correct, mm-hmm. they will wreck your shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is what happened. You, this you, is what happened. If, if you think you better walk into to Cleveland Brown Stadium and shit gonna be sweet, they go they go they gonna hurt you. If you think well, they gotta travel to us and they don't have Deshaun Watson, they don't have Nick Chubb. Then, then they gonna come in and and they gonna mush your face into yeah. your own turf. The Cleveland Browns are a team to be respected, and I will say I did not respect them, and based on who they were playing, and I was wrong in that regard. I think the Niners players individually and as a team respected them, but Cleveland just started putting them things on them, man, and and it the the snowball effect took off. Yeah, you go on the road, and I, I, I also think that they may have respected him. But what is that term that Greg Popovich uses? Um, I don't think they had a healthy fear. I would say that that's correct. Yes, and, yes. and that can always come back to bite you in the ass because how many times have we seen teams just go somewhere and think, well, you know, no, these are opponents; they're professionals. We're going to go out there, and we're going to approach them like we approach any team. And they don't realize what they're about to get into. And by the time you wake up, it's too late. Mm-hmm. And they had pulled it together for that one drive. By the way, credit to Brock Purdy for at least getting these guys down there in field goal range, yeah. which is something that is, it's so it's so timely because we had this discussion last week. We talked about the only thing we hadn't seen Brock Purdy do was engineer a comeback and see what happens when there's actual real pressure because it's been pretty much a cakewalk up until that point. And so i really impressed to see him get that last drive down the field, get in field goal range. Yeah, the kid missed it, but you should never have been in a position where you have to rely on a field goal to win the game for you anyway is the way I see it. And credit Cleveland, man. They came out there and they put them things on it, but it has reignited the conversation about whether Brock Purdy is just the beneficiary of Kyle Shanahan's system and a bunch of really good players. I mean, several things can equally be true. I mean, yes, that system helps because someone is always wide open. Um, and and the re- part of the reason why guys in Kyle Shanahan's system is wide open is because he's got Brandon Ayuk, because he's got George Kittle, because he's got Christian McCaffrey, because he's got Debo Samuel, because he's, yeah. got, because he's got Trent Williams on his left side, mm-hmm. because he has a bunch of very good football players around him. But Brock Purdy is also a part of that system where you have a guy who gets yes. the ball to those guys quickly, accurately, decisively, and up until the game against Cleveland had not thrown an interception. So mm-hmm. I, I just I, – I, to me, I, I, I find this conversation about, you know, Brock Purdy, is he a system quarterback, is he elite? It's fucking stupid, man. It's just he, – he's – he's – he's the, – the situation you find yourself in as a quarterback 
is is almost as important as the talent you bring to the position Absolutely. within Absolutely. that system. And we 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 need to stop this the stupid argument of is this person a system quarterback? Who gives a shit, man? Yeah, it's it's actual it's it's facts because uh, what if if you're a game manager, you're managing to win games. I'm fine. I'm fine with it. I'm completely fine with it. There are quarterbacks who you go, okay, I don't have as good a talent. I need you to go and make some plays and win me a game. But you know what? Those quarterbacks are few and far between anyway. You probably have two or three of those at best any season. So everybody is a quote-unquote game manager Mm -hmm. because most of these quarterbacks are not Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) You're not going to be just go out there and create a play out of your ass with a less – than excellent uh, group group of skill players and uh, less than excellent offensive line. Nobody is. Yeah, it's very few of those guys. So when you get a dude who, you know what, I got my system and this guy makes my system go. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I'm winning games. Yeah, I, it's just it's just it's such a a silly tired argument. But you know that's what that's what sports is now. Just silly tired arguments that are played out either on television in the mornings or, or you know over the course of a day on uh on social media it's just like who cares man who cares <laughs> i will say this uh the niners defense seems to be much more vulnerable this year they're winning but they seem to be much more vulnerable this year particularly to the past than i've seen them in a couple of years past yeah um you can throw on these dudes you you can um I think there's a couple of factors at work. They really haven't gotten cooking with the four man pressure. Um and when you yeah, can when you Nick can Bosa? when you can yeah, I mean he's 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 there. He's grading out in terms of pressures and things of that nature. Uh but the sack numbers are down for sure. Um the, the, their inability they don't really start cooking with pass defense until they start blitzing and when they blitz when they send an extra guy when they send five or more Mm -hmm. then you are forced to go to -to man-to-man on the back end and the Niners have a new defensive coordinator in Steve Wilkes and I think he is in sort of an adjustment period of feeling out period and I I think he's starting to get the answer to the question and it's in the affirmative of can my back end pause can can my defensive backfield hold up as long as I need them to in man coverage if we have to send on the regular, uh, uh, if we have to send a fifth rusher because we're not getting, forget about sacks if you can. We're just not getting yeah. the requisite constant pressure with yeah. a normal four-man uh, front rush. And yeah. I, I, I think they are getting – that man-to-man coverage on the back end. So I think we're going to see better pass numbers against. I, I think the Niners, because in my estimation, and, and I don't necessarily mean to say as a negative, I think they got embarrassed that Niner defense did against the Cleveland Browns, not because the Browns put up big numbers on them, but because the Browns were, were able to keep them on the field and move the ball enough, yeah. especially on the ground. Yeah. Um, I think the Niners are going to tighten up their run defense against the Vikings when they do that that's going to allow them then to go and really get after the quarterback. But, yeah, you, you're right. Defensively, the Niners are not as stout this year as they had been in years past. 
for reasons I mentioned and, and re other reasons that I, I haven't mentioned. But I think from a comparative standpoint, yeah. the offense is the tip of the spear down. Oh, not yeah, the defense. Absolutely. This Niner team, going to NFC Championship games and going to Super Bowls here over the last few years, it's because of their defense. Mm -hmm. the, the success they will have this ha are having right now and will have as this season goes all along will be because their offense is scoring between 27 and 32 points a game on the regular. Yep. Not because their defense is grinding opponents into a pulp and the Niners are able – you know, with getting the ball back on turnovers or three and outs, yeah. the Niners are able to score between 17 and 24 points a game. Have you uh, heard any news about uh, McCafferty or, or, or uh, Ayuk? Um, Ayuk is fine. Debo has a shoulder issue that <laughs> nothing is broken. Uh, the MRI revealed nothing. It's just a pain tolerance thing. And the same thing for Christian McCaffrey. It's a pain mm. tolerance thing. No broken ribs, no pulled or torn uh, muscles, oblique muscles. Um, it's a pain tolerance thing. Um, the Niners are having, again, we're taping this pulling back the curtain on Thursday morning, October 19th. The Niners will play uh, next Monday. So the Niners' yeah. first practice and the first media availability coming off of the, the loss to Cleveland this past Sunday, this all happens today. So yeah. um, we don't know if Debo and McCaffrey are going to practice today um and therefore we don't know if they're going to play my thing is i i i, I don't think they play i don't think they need to play to beat yeah. the vikings um and with a couple of games this game with the vikings and the Bengals game coming up before the bye my estimation, and it's easy for me to sit here and say as a guy who just yeah. talks about the Niners on television for a living, <laughs> it's easy for me to sit here and say, don't play those guys, get them back after the bye, and then get ready for that stretch run where you are seeing more division opponents like the Seahawks twice. Right. You're going to see the Rams. You're going to see the Ravens. You're going to see a lot yeah. of good teams coming up. Me personally, I would sit them this week and against the Bengals, have them rest for the bye, and then play. But at this point, Ron, we I'm just don't you. know. I'm with you, dude. If it was me, especially especially McCaffrey with his injury history, yes. like, nope, yeah. we're going to be extra careful. You sitting your ass down. Yeah. It's fine if we lose a game or two. That's not going to, uh, you know, seal the season for this team. Yeah, they gotta, They've got to play these division guys, and I would much rather have these cats ready to play the Rams, play Seattle, uh, because they're going to need them. Because Seattle, for whatever reason, they're going to give them a game. And I – I, I think that the Eagles losing to the Jets on the same day the Niners lost to the Browns, I mm -hmm. think that makes the decision a little bit easier. And I stress yeah. the words little bit. But if the Eagles were undefeated, I think the Niners would be more inclined to not put McCaffrey and Debo in harm's way, but I think they would be more inclined to say, we we kind of need these guys because we need to keep up with the the Eagles. It 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 has nothing to do with the division. It has everything to do with trying their damnedest to make sure that the NFC Championship game, presumably against the Eagles, is at Levi Stadium and not in 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 Philadelphia. And I will say this: I don't know if it means anything. I don't know if it says anything, but it's interesting to note that <clears throat> the Eagles and the Forty Nine ers both lost to teams that have 
uh, a couple of the very best defenses in the league, and both those teams play in the AFC. Yeah, with backup quarterbacks I, on the road. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know if it means anything. I don't know what it says about the <clears throat> the the um, the talent that's in the AFC uh, or what they may face if they end up in a Super Bowl against one of these teams from the AFC. But these te- both those teams aren't really good, and yet they gave this t- gave both those teams a real ass whoop. Yeah, I mean I- they they had the ability and the capability to do that with their defenses um, and and being at home, but also for the Jets and for the Browns, you know it's it's cliched, but that was their Super Bowl. Hey man, we got the two best teams in the <clears throat> AFC and the NFC coming to our respective houses. Um, you know, let's give these boys, let's give these boys that NL. You know, and that, yeah. those two games were very important for those two teams, for the Browns and the Jets. And again, it's one thing to say and to want to 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 smack around the Niners and the Eagles, but if you don't have the capability to do it, and they did with their respective defenses, then it's just really all talk. So, yeah, I, I, I I'd say it was an interesting coincidence, um, but. It's a lot less coincidental when you look at the fact that the Browns and the Jets possess um, neutralizing factors in a defense that yeah. that gets after that ass. This is and, why, and, and they and what they both have in common: the, the Jets and the the, the the Browns, their fronts, their defensive yeah. fronts. You know, Quentin Williams with the Jets and that crew, yep. and Miles Garrett, mm-hmm. you know, and his crew with the uh, uh, with the Browns. Yep. Man, when you could get pressure with four. And, and we saw this with the Niners when Bosa, yep. you know, last year was doing this thing. When you could get pressure yep. with four dudes and you got one real big dude on your squad, you yep. make life hell for anybody else in the league. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see where these teams go. Um, you know, your Raiders, your Raiders are doing that with Max Crosby. Max Crosby. Yeah. Max got to get the fuck out of there, dude. <laughs> well, yeah, well, of course he's got to get the fuck away from the Raiders. We know that. I'm just saying. Just for the purposes of this conversation, you have a defensive line that has a dude and other yeah. guys that follow suit, and you could get pressure, consistent pressure with four, and they're always worried about when that one dude, like Max Crosby or like yeah. Bosa or Garrett, when no, when that guy's going to detonate, um, yeah. that you could you get a games. game record. Yeah, man, get a, get yourself a game record. Yeah. Every team needs at least one game record on the defensive side. Yeah, man. Um, here, I know, God, we're so sports heavy today, but there's so much stuff that I, that I find fascinating. Um, there's been talk <clears throat> about teams not scoring in the red zone this year. It's been an issue with teams not being able to score in their red zone. You know what I immediately thought of? The Cowboys. <laughs> the Raiders. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I immediately thought of the de-emphasis on running. Mm. Because when you get down there, what do we talk about? The field contracts. Yeah. Everything changes. You don't have space. But we are such a we've become such a pass happy league that we don't even focus on the fact that yeah, red zone scoring is down because motherfuckers don't run no more. It's interesting you mention that because the Cowboys, um, you know, I know this in doing research before the Niners Cowboy game that the Cowboys mm-hmm. are one of the absolute worst teams in the NFL, not just in red zone percentage where they are in the, the deep bottom third, like 27, 28 out of 32 Ooh. teams. They are Ooh. also, they are the worst in goal to go situations. First wow. and goal. You got four wow. downs to score a touchdown. 
And how many times are they throwing? Is but would be my question. Well, but, 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 but here's where I'm going. The Cowboys last year were number one in mm. red zone conversion percentage. Mm. Mm. Last year they had Ezekiel Elliott, yeah, who scored 12 touchdowns in Ooh, the red wait. zone. Most of them, if not all of them, in first and goal to go situations. You got yeah. four downs to get 10 yards or less for a touchdown. Yep. First and goal to go. Yep. Ezekiel yep. Elliott had 12 touchdowns. Well, guess who's not on the Cowboys this year? Uh-huh. Ezekiel Elliott and his 12 red zone goal to go touchdowns. Guess who's Ooh. comically bad in the red zone this year? <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> So, <laughs> your point is a good one, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Comically bad, boy. No, it's it's fascinating. Like, okay, you. This is where we've taken this. We've decided to de-emphasize the running back because, well, it's not that important. Well, now I think this kind of points out you better be able to run that fucking ball, mm-hmm. and you and you definitely need to be able to do it when in your four minute offense or your two minute offense. You had better be able to run that ball because I'm watching dudes put the ball up 50 times. Like, yeah, you are putting yourself in a position where, hell, the quarterback's arm might fall off by the time you get to a position where you can win a game on him. Watching the Chargers play on Monday night against the Mm -hmm. the Cowboys, ironically, Mm -hmm. and Justin Herbert, Mm -hmm. who, Jesus, man, he can look good and he can look awful on the exact same play. Um, They have absolutely no running game. The Chargers, Not, and they nice. got in the red zone, and it looked like a monkey fucking the football. Dude, <laughs> it was just and, awful. And, and Rod, think about it. How look at the teams that don't? Uh, how many teams are terrible at running the ball? Like everybody. We this actually goes in connection with what we what we talked about last week with the putrid offensive line yes. play in the NFL. Yes, the running games are also bad. Yeah, because the emphasis is I'm willing to bet the emphasis is always on the passing game. Pass blocking is emphasized. You got to because you know you're going to have a quarterback throwing 40, 50 times a game. So you pull it. You really emphasize the running game and the running back, and this is the shit that happens to you. Yeah. Yep. Nope, I completely agree. All right. I know we've been really sports-heavy, but let's jump on a couple of non-sports issues. First of all – Are you Speaker of the United States House yet? Has I that, was just about to mention it. Has, has that happened? Because you know you got my vote. I was just wondering – I was just wondering if we had a speaker yet. What a mess. What a goddamn mess these What a glorious are. mess. Jesus Christ, they're terrible. Jim Jordan couldn't be happening to a more horrible guy. I <laughs> love it. I love the public humiliation. I don't know if they're going to vote again today, but I was watching that bitch like it was a Super Bowl, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucker is terrible. And the fact that he's so close to this, I'm telling you, the fact that he's so close to this thing is really frightening. Because they're the, Jim Jordan is in the minority of that Republican caucus, but the Republican Congress, but they have given him so much fucking power. And my favorite thing, I don't know how much you've been following this, but these guys are going out publicly saying, the reason that we're in this position is because of the Democrats. Have yeah. you heard this line? Oh, yeah, no, I've heard it. Well, you know, the Democrats, they voted Kevin McCarthy out. No, motherfucker. No, no. You are the majority party. You vote for your speaker. Democrats don't owe it to you to support your fucking dude. You, you voted him in without the help of Democrats. 
why the fuck can't you vote somebody else in without the help of Democrats? Oh, now they're supposed to help you out because you want them to say, get the fuck out of here. I, I love that they um, tied cinder blocks to their legs, mm-hmm. threw the cinder blocks into the ocean, <laughs> are drowning because they tied cinder blocks to their legs and threw them in the ocean. And then as they flail around, gasping yeah. for air, yeah. water filling their lungs, they look up at the boat and look up at the Democrats and like, yeah. why did you tie cinder blocks around our legs? Or, or, or more to the point, why didn't you stop us from tying yeah. cinder blocks around our legs and throwing yeah. ourselves into the ocean? You did this to me. Like, what? Yeah. What is it? Why are you why why are you hitting yourself? Stop hitting yourself. Why are you hitting yourself? Stop hitting yourself. <laughs> it's so funny. Like the, the, the verbal gymnastics these guys go through to blame the left for every fuck up that they have. Well, because they, they because this. they know they're stupid ass followers. <laughs> the, the the zealots that in essence keep them in power, they know that they will believe that. That's what they want to hear. So yeah, dude was like, well, you know, 90% of the people who voted against Kevin McCarthy were the Democrats. Yeah. And they also didn't vote for him when he was running the first time. Yeah. They did the same thing. They voted for Hakeem Jeffries this that this time the way they did the last time. You didn't need Democratic help to get McCarthy in. You shouldn't have needed Democratic help to keep him in. That's on you. You fucked up. I mean, everybody knows it. <laughs> I don't take them fools seriously. Um, also in the news, uh, I don't know how much of a big Three's Company fan you are, but I was a gigantic Three's Company fan. And the passing of Chrissy Snow, uh, Suzanne Summers, was like another little chunk of my childhood being ripped apart from me. I mean, dog, it's Three's Company. Bruh, it's Suzanne, Su- it's Suzanne Summers. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I was a fan. Um, I mean, come on, dog. Thigh master. I mean, oh, I forgot about the thigh master. Thigh master, baby. Oh, mercy, yeah, man. Uh, Suzanne Summers. Hey, I mean, you know, rest in peace, obviously. Uh, but you know, just from a from an entertainment standpoint, say, man, she was. She one of the goats, baby. <laughs> she, hey man, she was. Woo, you know. I mean, I don't. I don't want to. Woo, yeah, man. You know, it's funny because yeah, man. <laughs> I love that show so much, and now I think about it, like almost everybody from that show is dead. Yeah, John Ritter passed away. Uh, yeah. Boy, I mean, we're probably talking about 20 years ago, maybe even more. Ritter passed. Um, both of the Ropers are gone. Yeah, uh, man. Um, is Joyce DeWitt. I think Joyce DeWitt's still Joyce with Joyce DeWitt us. and um, the guy who played Larry. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I forget his name, but Larry. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. The, those are the only two still alive. Joyce DeWitt is still with us. <laughs> Woo! All right. <laughs> And uh, she was a uh, guy looking over her shoulder, though. She was uh, <laughs> damn. She was a cutie too. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, Suzanne Summers was like a like a supernova, for God's sake. Yeah, they they never really replaced her completely. Even though uh, nah, you could, even, even though uh, what was her name Priscilla Barnes? I forgot the character's name she played. Yeah, the was last she, was she like Terry or something like that? Terry, yeah. 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 Even though she was cool, 
She was cool, but and it was his heyday when Chris was on there. Yeah. No, I mean it, it was it was it was obviously a different time. Three's company ran from seventy seven yeah. to eighty four. You yeah. could be um it was just so outwardly um sexual and, yeah. and titillation and i'm using that word on purpose uh titillation was a, a, a part of the deal but there was also a certain amount of innocence to it as well even yeah. though now viewing it from with my adult eyes and my adult yeah. sensibilities there's nothing innocent about it it was oh god no it was amazing how overt it was without it being too overt you know what i mean yeah just, well. and just and having a a a a well-endowed not very smart blonde as <laughs> the central focus of your television show. Yeah. You literally could not make that show for network television today. Oh God, no. You God no. Even the, the very premise of it wouldn't even work at this point. No. No. Like and and then Jack Tripper having to having to pretend he was gay. Yeah. So he could it, so he could live with those two girls. So Mr. Furley yeah. or Mr. Wouldn't Roper work. wouldn't kick him out. Yeah, you couldn't do that yeah. today. Nobody would buy that. Nobody would buy that. Um, one more thing, by the way, rest in peace, Suzanne Summers. Um, one more thing. This is, I don't know why this interests me so much, but thank God I don't have to deal with dating. Because <laughs> <laughs> this game is, woo, it's the cold game out there, baby. I, uh, there's a lady who's gone viral because she was on a date with dude, a first date. And the dude took her to Cheesecake Factory. And my girl said, oh, I'm not getting out of this car. You're not taking me to a Cheesecake Factory. I look this good. I look too good to be in a Cheesecake Factory. And I was like, this bitch. <laughs> what are you talking about? The game has changed, bro. Like, it used to be cool. Well, you you spending the money. You can take it wherever you want. And then you go on a date. And if she didn't like you, then, you know, you you lose. You go home alone. <laughs> but the, the entitlement that some of these people have, particularly ladies that, no, I got to go to a four-star restaurant. On the first date? I'm cool. I, so I saw that. And okay. here, here's my thing. And we all need to, as um, folks who traffic in the world of social media, particularly Twitter, we all need to come together and realize when we are when people are trying to bait us into engagement because that was engagement bait. I don't believe For sure. I don't believe that happened at all. And if it did happen that way where she would not get out of the car because that man took her there then that she was trying to you know she 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 thought this is my chance to go viral or get involved in some some good old-fashioned twitter engagement bait we need oh, to you didn't see her you didn't see the follow-up i don't want to see the follow-up oh oh yeah you missed the part where she actually that she went on and she talked about why she did what she did i don't care I don't, oh, I don't. It was amazing. I, I, but but see, here's the thing. I don't care. I, I <laughs> we should not allow these people to get any bit of our individual and collective bandwidth. You know what I mean? 
It's just I we feel you. we we need to watch out for people like that. We need to watch out for these engagement farming blue checks that are doing this because the more engagement you get, the more money you get from from Rocket Boy. Um, people are just doing this shit on purpose. This is this is old and tired. Like is ex a system quarterback? Fuck her. Fuck her entire reasoning. Fuck the whole thing. Who gives well, a shit? You and I don't have to worry about it. But I know this stuff is going on. Like, I talked to my dudes. I'm like, really? But she she said, what? Like, there's actually women out here who's like, nah, I won't. Like, what she did is the stuff that I hear my boy Mike talk about. On the red. This is this is really happened where women are not they're oh, not yeah. going to the I, 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 Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, 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 I don't but okay, oh, fine, yeah. fine. If it's happening, then it's not being recorded and uploaded to fucking Twitter. Oh no, it's not. That's it's not I'm, everybody's that's, doing that. That's that's what I'm saying. I okay, yeah. fine. There there are some people out there that don't understand that 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 don't have uh What's what's the best way to put it? Any goddamn home training to be like, ah, I don't want to go to, to Cheesecake Factory. Well, you should have said that shit up front. And then that well, person listen, would right, waste listen. their time. This is my point with this issue. Not the fact that it's viral. That's the meaningless part. That's not the relevant issue. Okay. The issue for me is the change in the way people are going out on these dates and socializing, the entitlement that some of these people have if you there's stories, I mean, this the way dating has changed. If you just read some of these stories from sociological level, there's this weird sense of entitlement that some of these women have now. Where and listen, guys are doing it too because the guys like if I spent this money on you, I, you need to get this coochie up. But uh, which is which is obviously even worse. But it's just weird that we have we are we have started to treat dating like Game of Thrones. Like there's like there's a competition here when that's that's exactly the opposite of what this thing is supposed to be. So when you are treating dating like for years there was a, there were these women who would go out on dates <clears throat> strictly for free dinners. They would say yes to dates just to get the free dinners, knowing that they would interest in these guys. Like this is all shit that's documented. And so I think that all this stuff is. I think part of it is the dating apps because you don't have to meet anybody in person anymore. And actually have a personality. You just sign up on a dating app and you put some checks and boxes and you meet somebody. It's a free dinner. But all this shit is just weird to me. I would not want to be in a position to be doing this shit right now because I would be a colossal failure. I, it just it blows me away. <clears throat> that, that, uh, maybe I shouldn't be surprised that people out here in these streets acting wild and stupid <laughs> like this. <laughs> I, I just I don't I, I don't know I I, I mean I, I just I have I I have no frame of reference I just have no understanding of any of this none of this resonates with me none of this yeah. makes I just sense worry to about me. it with my with with my own kids I got four girls so we I'm like I hope they're not doing this stuff oh oh I, I'd be so I would be so goddamn disappointed. Yeah, I just, I yeah, I, I honestly, I just, I honestly have no understanding of it. I really don't. This, this, this is all just like, this is, this is alien behavior to me. 
All this is good. You you are a man from the generation X where we did shit in a different way. Yeah, I mean, I, what's funny is now it's becoming what we're talking about here is coming real to me because I I just notice in my adult personal life yeah. how many people don't like to deal with reality and don't like mm. to deal with um. Not confrontation, but don't like to deal with. They, people don't have any interpersonal skills. It's you know true, what dude. I mean? And how they, they don't know how to talk to people, how to relate to people. And because Absolutely they don't know true. how to talk or relate to people, they 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 shy away from actual human interaction, contact, yes. discussion. You know, yes. and I just see I just see that. Forget about male female. I just see about that from person to person. People of a younger generation. I'm not talking about late teens and early twenties or even late twenties, yeah. early thirties. I'm talking about people in their early to mid thirties and even creeping into their forties who don't who 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 have been accustomed to not talking to human beings about issues yeah. or problems or whatever they may have. And I'm not talking about big great problems, even just things, but they need to be discussed face-to-face, person-to-person. They're so yeah. used to doing things via text, email, now social media, to where any human interaction or contact that might be the slightest bit uncomfortable, and I'm, I'm emphasizing mm-hmm. slightest, that may right. be the slightest bit uncomfortable, they run away from it. And, and, and I find that to be fascinating because for yeah. me, the way I was taught is that if you have an issue with someone, if, if there's something that needs to be discussed, then that needs to be discussed yeah. face to face. At a minimum, it needs to be discussed via the telephone. And I hate talking on the telephone. It is my Me least too. favorite thing in the world to do. Yeah. But yeah. if that is what's required to get to a, a point of resolution in whatever yeah. the situation is, then I'll do it. I have no problem at all with face-to-face communication with people to resolve any issue they may have with me i may have with them we Mm -hmm. may have with each other that's just the way i was taught that's the way i get down i am amazed how many fucking adults i'm not talking young adults i'm talking people who should know better who want Mm -hmm. nothing to do with face-to-face in a personal contact. It is wild. Yep, yep. Yeah, I th- you and I are very much like in that way. Like, let's deal with some shit up front. Let's get it out. Let's talk it out, whatever. But I'm with you. I don't like talking on the phone. You know what people do? If they want to reach me, they call my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I am not exaggerating. Please call and, my and, surrogate. Yeah, and, and unless unless I like know you or you're if I if your if your name pops up on my phone. And I don't recognize you. We ain't talking. But if we got to talk about something, we got to talk about something. I, I just, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, yeah. like I said, I'm amazed by the number of people. Forget about yeah. male, female. Forget about dating. Forget, I'm just talking yeah. about people who don't want. I, like, I wish I could tell you the, the story that's bouncing around through my head right now, but I can't. And uh. if, if I did, nobody would. It wouldn't resonate with anybody because <laughs> you don't know the person and the situation. Yeah. But 
this is a grown adult man who owns a business. Mm. He's got to deal with people all day long. But if there is any amount of contact, if there's any amount of of conflict, and I'm talking tiny, he will run away from it and expect others to deal with it. And I I just like, that's just straight up, that's just childlike bitch behavior as far as I'm concerned. Like you're a grown ass man and you are running away from 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 just having a a face to face conversation with somebody that that has the temerity to disagree with you. I, I, oh, my God. Oh, yeah, it's it's okay. Like, it's okay to disagree. It's okay to have a conversation. It's okay to be wrong. wrong. Yeah, I'm I'm wrong every day of my life. I'm Every wrong day in, of my life. Marcus, I'm wrong in public several times a day. <laughs> yeah, dude. We I mean, it's what it is. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we all continue to live. All right, that's all I got, baby. That's good enough for me, my friend. It's another edition of Quality Hang, your favorite podcast. When we get involved, you can tell. Quality Hang ain't just the name of it. It's just how we get down. Make sure you follow us on the socials and email us at qualityhang at g uh, at qualityhangpod at gmail.com. My friend, have yourself a fantastic weekend, and we shall yeah. do this again next week. Yeah. All right, everybody. Be good. Or be good at it. See you.